just to say that we've been doing a series over this last wee while, and the series has been based on the fact that Jesus is coming again, and that we as a people need to be ready for that coming. I want to read one verse just now, but do keep your Bibles open at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm going to read just one verse, verse 25, as we um, get started this morning. And verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 simply says this, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crime. But we, an incorruptible crime. I'm reading from the King James Version there. And every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crime. But we, as an incorruptible crime. Friends, we've talked about how Jesus is coming. And if there's ever a time in our lives that we need to have an emphasis on sharing our faith and living right, it's now. You've often heard me say this phrase. We're living closer to that event than anybody else ever in history. And we as a people need to be a people who are living in such a way that people by our lifestyle see that this is the only way to walk. We need to have an impact even on this teaching just now that we realize that we need to be different. Remember what the scriptures teaching us just now, that our judgment of our sins was held at Calvary. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe with him with all your heart, and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, Jesus judged your sins at Calvary. Your sin was judged there. But we know that the Bible tells us in Romans 14 and 10 that we will all stand before the judgment. Now, that's the beam of seat of Christ. And as believers, we will be judged there, not for our past sin, but we are judged for our service and for what we have done with the gifts that the Lord has given us. We are not judged, and I'll say it again, at the great white throne if we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But can you see how important, friends, it is today that we are praying and we're supporting evangelistic outreach because there's people going to lost eternity because Christ is coming back. And we do want that for people. But we do want to have an impact on how we live and how we show people the way. And we want to live attractional in our lives. The people see that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That this is the only way to live. And we want to live it to our best, that God gets all the glory and all the honor. We find out in 1 John chapter 2 and 28 that on that day at the Bema Seat of Christ, we will either stand confidently or ashamed. And the whole purpose of these messages and looking at the crowds is how do we achieve those things? But as your pastor, my heart for you is this, that we are taught in such a way that we can live in such a way that when we live for that day, we're not going on it. We're ashamed that we go confidently before the throne because we live to the best of our ability to bring God honor and glory. And what are we going to do with our crowns? Well, we're going to join those elders. And we're going to take those crowns and we're going to cast them at Jesus' feet in adoration of all that he has done for us and how he has loved us. We've talked about that again, haven't we? About, you know, ever been to that party? 
and nobody told you you were to bring a gift and how embarrassed you were. And none of us want to be in that place. When we think of all that Jesus done, how he took those nails in his hands and his feet, that spear in his side and that crown of thorns on his head. We want to be in a place where we have something to say thank you to Jesus for all that he has done for us. Now, last week we looked at the crown of righteousness. And that's the crown for those that love us peering. Now, that's not people walking around that they're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. But they're people who realize that Jesus is coming. So therefore, because Jesus is coming, they live a set-apart life. They live a life that is Christ-like so that people can see that there's a difference in them. Susan mentioned it in the worship time this morning that we become a peculiar people, that we're a different people. Do you remember we talked about this last week as well, that Moses didn't want to go any further unless the presence of God was with them because that's what earmarked them as different people. And we are present carriers of God. And when we walk in this life, as we talk in this life, when we go to our work, as we do our daily routine, people should know there's something different about us. And that only comes when we choose to live a set-apart life and we desire to look more like Jesus. Then people see the presence of God within us. Because we know he's coming, we want to live in a way as we're waiting that we're found worthy when he comes back. Living a worthy lifestyle. Just in my own daily readings this morning, um, the verse was Matthew 25 and 21, where the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the title was Leaving a Legacy. No, Jordan preached on this before he left. It's about leaving the legacy. And you know, friend, it's not just about us going to heaven and the Lord saying, well done, and us getting a crown for eternity that we can worship. We also want to live in such a way now that we know that the way that we have lived will impact others. I want us as a community of grace, a community of people to be living in such a way that we get phone calls from people to say such and such out of your church did this, such and such did that. You know, I was in a predicament and one of your people came alongside that we live in a different way, that we have an impact on the lives of other people around about us. It's not just looking for eternal future, but it's living in such a way now that we make a difference in our lifestyle. Now today, we're going to be looking at the incorruptible crime. You might have it in your Bible as the imperishable crime. But here, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he takes us to the athletic field. He's thinking about the Olympics. Something that started way back then in, um, let me see, 776 BC and round to 393 AD, 1,169 years the Olympic Games went, the original Olympic Games, and that happened every four years. Actually, we've got a history for you this morning. Didn't think it was going to be history lesson. But everything that they did, all the training for that four-year gap, from one Olympic Games to another Olympic Games, all that they did, all that they put their bodies through was to get a crown. And that crown was an evergreen crown of laurels that they would place on their heads. But laurels was something that will become perishable. 
It's corruptible. It's something that was going to die. And they put all of that effort into this. And here the Apostle Paul is telling us, I want you to run a race. Because when you run this race, you're going to get a crown to put to Jesus' feet. And it will not perish. It will not become incorruptible. It will be something that you will lay at his feet and it will be eternal. But you need to run in such a way that you earn that. Basically, believer, the Apostle Paul is telling us today that we need to be living a discipled life, a disciplined life that will cause us to have that crime. The Apostle Paul challenges to consider the goal of our lives, living disciplined Christian lives for this incorruptible crime. I come into the NIV with me, and we're going to read um, a few more verses around here. Verse 24 and 25, do you not know that in the race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get that prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So here's two things. If you want to get a crown that will last for eternity in heaven, you need to get into strict training here now. And as I'm saying that, I'm holding my belly in. Because I don't do an awful lot of training. Okay? But we're talking about spiritual training. And if we're going to get a crown that will last forever, we need to have a spiritual, disciplined life that will change our outlook in life forever. It's a strict training. And that's what we want to zero into this morning. He says, consider the athlete. And when we consider the athlete, we're not just, and he's given us that scene of them on the Olympic pitch, but he's saying, look, not just for that time, not just for that space, for that game. He wants us to think of the hours that were put in for those four years previous to that game. No Olympic person arrives that morning and thinks to themselves, I'll have a go, we got that. <laughs> Roll my sleeves up and I'll have a we got that. For years previous, they have put their heart and their soul into that learning to be disciplined for that game. And Paul is saying to us as the people of God, when we go for that crime, we have to live a disciplined, discipled life to get to that place. You know, these guys were looking at their diets, their physical bodies, everything. You know, when we think of the guys that are running and going to be running in Tokyo in 2020, do you know, their whole lives over these four years will be mapped out for them. They will turn up to their training. They won't miss training matches. They will put in all the activities they need to put in to get, they will be watching their diet. They'll, they'll be sacrificing so much. And do you know, some of them, for just one short period of time, 2009, can you remember who it was that broke the world record 100 meters? No, not John Travolta. <laughs> Who's in Bolt? And do you know what he did it in? 9.58 seconds. So now here, church, four years training, 
of not being able to eat what he wanted to eat or would enjoy to eat, having to go up in the morning really early to do all of this training, all of this exercise. He would have to put aside maybe some social stuff and all of that for less than 10 seconds. But those four years were worth the gold that he won. And here what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us is this. Friends, if we're going to go for this crime, we need to live disciplined life. We need to be disciplined. A wee while ago, it was a few years ago, I remember watching one of the jockeys who had retired, and he was asked, now that he was in retirement, what he was looking for, and what he said, I'm going to look forward to eating crisps. I'm right there, brother, with you. I might be the right height to be a jockey, but they put me right off it. Well, I heard you couldn't eat crisps. And that was the thing he was looking forward to. Being able to, because he knew to stay the weight he needed to stay, he couldn't eat those junk foods. And he would make sure he would live in that disciplined life to get to win the prize. Sacrifice, toiled, sweated to obtain the prize. I'm saying it again, church. Paul the Apostle is encouraging us in our day to live disciple lives. Friends, are we in to being spiritually discipled? Are we in to being disciplined and our spiritual routines that we become the men and the women God really wants us to be? I might have shared this with you before, like I have. Paul Scanlon, in one of his books, writes, and I read it, you know, it broke my heart. It's about a pastor in England who left ministry. And when Paul Scanlon mounted, you know what the man was doing? Him and his wife were running a public house, a bar. Paul said to him, why are you doing what you do? He says, Paul, I got so discouraged, constantly ringing and texting and trying to encourage people to come out to God's house, to pray, to go to prayer meetings and come to Bible study. He says, and here, they come alone for a lesson. And he says, they love to be here so much at night time, I have to ring a bell to get them out. This pastor had become so weary because the people that he was leading had no time for prayer, they had no time for Bible study, they had no time to develop their walk with God. And here the Apostle Paul is telling us, on that day if we want to get this crown, and the idea of having these crowns is as an act of worship in Jesus' faith, he says you have to live a disciplined life. You have to watch how you live, how you are. You need to walk worthy. You need to put stuff into your life today that you can live in a worthy way. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Let's read that together. The writer to the Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners." so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know, just thinking about that song that we sang a minute ago, God, you're so good. In that verse, if there should be suffering, 
Can I just interject? Didn't mean to say this. It's not in my notes, but you know, sometimes what happens to us, church, when we go through hard times, we get so focused on what we are going through and the negativity that we take our eyes of Jesus. We lose our focus on the very one who's able to help us and get us through. And our focus goes everywhere else but on the one who's actually able to help us. And even not, we need to stay disciplined. We need to keep going through the storm. We need to keep our focus on Jesus in it all. And remember, we're running the race. And if he came through, he's going to get us through. But we need to keep that focus. And this is so appropriate and applicable to what we're thinking about this morning. We need to lay aside everything that will hinder us so that we can run well. Do you ever watch these guys when they come to the running podiums? And they strip off everything down to the lycra. In fact, they're even shaving their hair off so that they can have nothing that will hinder them from running that race. They really buffet their bodies that they are fit as they can be to run that race. And God is saying to us, put aside everything that's hindering you today. Sometimes that's a hurt. Sometimes it's something somebody said. Sometimes it's a negative mindset. Sometimes, yes, we struggle with sin. And God wants us to put all those things aside that we become fit and we become focused spiritually to be able to run the best we can for the kingdom of God. Are we willing to sacrifice time, friends, even for legitimate things? that we might give them a more, give them to a more legitimate thing. Maybe there's some things God's even calling you to set aside in your life, that there's nothing wrong with them. They're good things. They're honorable things. But when those things take precedence over your time with God and your focus on God, remember we looked at this last week. If we're talking about Jesus being Lord of our lives, that means he's Lord of our marriages, our finances, our leisure time. He's Lord of our workplace. He's Lord of everything. And we need to keep him central in all that we do to make sure that what we're doing with all of those things is what he wants us to do. We come under his lordship. And sometimes just like these people, these sports people who have to give up and maybe go out with their friends some night because they're on the track the next morning, sometimes there are things that are good for us in our life and fellowship is good, but sometimes, friends, in our discipleship, disciplined lives to become better saints of God, there are things God calls us to lay some stuff down that are good. There's nothing wrong with them, but God needs us to lay those things aside that we can focus on who he really wants us to be, that we can run that race well, that we become spiritually fit, Picture the athlete, he takes everything off that stops him from moving. Churches, there's stuff that you need to take off your life just now that you maybe think is important, but it's not as important as what God's called you to be in to his time. Is there stuff you need to lay down again and free yourself from that maybe you're taking more time overall? You know, Paul talking to physical training, and you can say I don't do much of it, but for some people it becomes such a thing, and there's nothing wrong with physical training. Apostle Paul says it's good, but it's not the best. 
And I'm not saying give up your daily physical routine, but what I'm saying is this. If we're spending more time in the gym than on our knees and our quiet time, we need to reverse that habit. Now, what I'm saying is this. If you're going to the gym, great. I'm not saying do less time in the gym, but make sure you're doing more time on your knees. Maybe we need to switch the box off that sits in the corner of our living rooms and spend more time with Jesus than we do on BBC and ITV. And that's a challenge to all of our lives to look at ourselves and say, how much time are we spending on these things compared to the one who's the most important in my life, that we become spiritually fit and disciplined to be the men and the women of God that God wants us to be. And some of us are going to struggle just to get over the line, never mind get the prize. Because our spiritual routines are all over the place. And God wants us to keep our focus, that we become disciplined disciples. Are you really moving on spiritually? You know, we're living in an age where no matter where you go or whatever you buy, they're ringing you up to ask you for feedback, aren't they? You know that the latest trick is when you go into shop and you purchase something and they say, can we have your email and we'll send you the receipt? Just take the receipt off them there and then, because if you don't, you're going to be embarded by emails and surveys because everybody wants them wants to know how they're doing. But sometimes we need to take a spiritual rain check on our own lives and consider ourselves because church, being a saint, a child of God, a serious business, how are we doing in our walk with God? Are we more spiritual today than we were last year? Because if we're not, we're backslidden. If we're not going on further than where we were last year, we're actually going back the way. And here in the race is asking us to run more forward than go back the way. We need to take our time to think, are we being submissive to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God, to prayer, all those spiritual disciplines that make us the men and the women that God wants us to be. Do you remember a man called Demas in the Bible? Demas was written about three times. He went along as a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. And then it says the last time about Demas that he had gone back because he loved the world. And you know, I'm going to say this, church. I think this is the worst time for Christians probably in a long, long time. And I feel especially for young. And can I ask the older generation to pray for young parents with kids? We're living in a day where there's so much pressure on kids and young people to have certain things in their lives, and parents are working and striving hard to get that for their children, that their children aren't left out. And the other side of it is sometimes even adults are striving for things that have become so important for them to have that their strife for that has left them out striving for things of God. For some people in Christian community, I listened to a podcast the other day there from um, two American, um, there's, there's a thing online at the moment um, about preachers and sneakers. Has anybody seen that? And they're talking about, you know, some of these American preachers, young American preachers, where they're wearing trendy gear and they're trendy sneakers. And this debate was, you know, should a pastor wear all this stuff? And I, I try, I'm not wanting to get into that. But what I want to say for us is this. 
There's nothing wrong with having good stuff. There's nothing wrong with driving a nice car. There's nothing wrong with having a couple of pounds in the bank. There's nothing wrong with having a nice home. There's nothing wrong with wearing nice clothes. But let me just say this to his church this morning. If that becomes the main things in our lives that will distinguish us, rather than the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, and all of those things that God wants us to clothe our lives, there's something wrong. There needs to be an adjustment in our spirituality. If we have to be defined by the labels we wear on our clothing rather than the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life, there's something wrong there. And we need to get back to basics. And I can say this, church, this morning, please hear my heart. You can be wearing the nicest shirt and the latest shirt and the nicest trainers that you can ever afford and still have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's okay. But if those things in our life take the president rather than who God wants us to be and working on those things, that's where it's dangerous. That's where it's wrong. If we're spending more time on those things than becoming a Christ-like person, that's where it gets wrong. You know, Dr. Grudem, Wayne Grudem, a theologian, an American theologian, was asked, I read a book recently where he was asked about the judgment seat of Christ and about what he thought America would be judged for, the Christian, Christian church in America. And he said two things. One was the prosperity gospel. And secondly, the other thing was this, was the church of God not taking seriously words of God and not weighing them up properly. And I know in our culture, we might think, well, Americans and the prosperity teaching, well, we're not like that. But unfortunately, sometimes along the way, children of God, we've got this concept now that there's no suffering and that everything should be rosy in the garden. And then when suffering comes into our lives, we don't know how to handle it. But there is a theology of suffering in Scripture. And when we suffer, when we go through, God is doing something in us to make us more like Jesus. And we need to be open to follow God the way he wants us to follow him, to be the people of God. Now, friends, I'm going to read this scripture with you. And we read it quite a few times when we looked at um, our series in the book of Acts. But I want to remind you about the Apostle Paul again. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read verses 22 to 28. And this is what Paul said. Are, there, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? Am I out of my mind to talk like this? I am more. Have I worked much harder? being in prison more frequently, being flogged more severely, being exposed to death again and again. By that stage, many of us would be thinking, I'm away home to my granny. And here the Apostle Paul is saying, or Deodemus, I'm away. But Apostle Paul goes on to say, five times I received from the Jews the 40 luscious minus ones. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often and have gone without sleep. I have been hungry and thirst and have even gone without food. I have been cold and naked. 
And beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. The Apostle Paul went through it. And yet, friends, here we read, and look at this. After all Paul said about what he went through, look at 1 Corinthians 9 and 26. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. After all the Apostle Paul was going through, he says, I don't want to look like I'm false on that day. I don't want to stand before God that day looking like, as some of the older scriptures talks about, shadow boxing. Hitting the air, being a phony. And you would think the last person on earth who could claim to be a phony saint would be this man who was beaten, who was kicked about, who was hungry, who went without to go round with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there Paul is coming to that place where he's actually questioning himself, looking inward, am I really who I say I am? Am I really serving God the way I should be serving serving God? Paul was being real with himself that he could be an honest servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't ticking boxes. And that's the danger of Christianity in our world. People put up their hand in a meeting give their life to Jesus, and that's it. They'll come to church and they'll tick the box. Oh, sorry, I broke bread and I did this. But from Monday to next Sunday, they never open the Word of God. You'll never catch them in a prayer meeting. You'll never see them in a Bible study. You'll never see them meeting up with other children of God. There's no depth to their walk with God. And the Apostle Paul is challenging himself because he's saying, if I'm going to stand that day and have this crown that's incorruptible, I need to live a disciplined lifestyle. And friends, the next verse, I have to say, scares the life out of me. When Paul talks about this, now I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified from the prize. Talks become a shipwreck. Some versions of the Bible will talk about being rejected. Some verses will talk about being a castaway all of those things. Paul's taking his call seriously. And church, what I'm saying to you this morning is this. If the Apostle Paul, with all that he did for the Lord, was examining his heart, surely do we not need to examine ours? Take check of where we are for God. Now, I'm going to say this to you, church, this morning. There are two ways that we can go when we leave here this morning after this word. One, we can leave in a spirit of condemnation. 
And we can think to ourselves, well, Lord, I'm never going to make it. I've done this, and I've done that, and I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. How am I ever, ever going to get a crown? I haven't spent enough time. I haven't done this for you. I haven't done the other. How will I ever get a crown? One of the lovely verses that we shared on Wednesday night were taught on was, well, Psalm 34 and 18, but it's Psalm 51 and 17 says, The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart of God you will not despise. We can go away from here today thinking I have messed it up and I'm never going to get that cry because I am not as committed as I should be. I'm not as dis- discipled as I should be or disciplined as I should be. What's the point? And live in a spirit of condemnation. Or we can do this. Psalm 51 and 17, we can come before God with a contrite heart and go, Lord, I've examined my heart this morning and I know I've failed you. I know I haven't always been who I should have been. And friends, as I'm saying this to you, I'm not saying it as we, I'm saying this as me. Because when I was preparing this and looking at it, I was thinking, Lord, I feel like a hypocrite getting up to preach this this morning. Because there are things in my past, things in my life, and I think, Lord God, should I even be in ministry? But we can either take the condemnation role in living in the past. And I remember a woman in my first church saying to me as pastor, if we constantly drive our cars looking in the rear view window, mirror of our car, we're going to crash. We're going to go over ahead. We need to keep our focus going forward. And this morning, if you, like me, find yourself wanting and you think, Lord, I'm never going to achieve that crime. We have the choice. We can live in the past and live in condemnation. Or we can look at ourselves today and think, life starts to change. For whatever God has put in front of me, for whatever time I have left, whether he comes and I meet him in the air or he calls me to go to glory, from today I'm going to live different. I'm going to get my spiritual routine changed. You know, there's a big thing now, getting personal um, fitness instructor. And yet church has had spiritual fitness instructors for years. Your life group leader is a helper to that. The pastoral team, the elders are helper to that. And if you're struggling in your faith, come and speak to one of us. And let's make a decisive decision this morning, not to live in condemnation, not to live in fear of our past, but to live keeping our eyes on the future and what we can achieve in the days to come to be better followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we live differently. We take our faith seriously. At times that we even may sacrifice things that may be good, but we put them aside to spend more time with Jesus to become better men and women of God and the aim to get this incorruptible crowd. Why? So we can put it on our heads and dot around hell and say, look at my crying. No. So we can take it off and lay it at his feet and say, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me.
Can we close our eyes, bow our heads? Worship team, we're going to come and lead us in our last song. And, and this morning, can you just take a wee minute? I'm going to allow the guys to get on the platform and get their instruments ready, and they will lead us in a wee second or two. But as they're doing that, close your eyes and bow your head. Here's a moment for you and the Lord. We've different people in the room this morning, maybe people who are seeking God and not sure where they are with God, but know they need to nudge forward to God. And if you need help to get that closer place with God, we would love to help you in that search. Do come and speak to us. We're here to serve you, to help you. We've literature that will help you along that way. There's those in the room this morning that used to walk close with God, but along the way through, yes, let's be real this morning, getting your focus on other things, or maybe being hurt in church, or hurt in the past, or having negative stuff happen in your life. You've lost your way. Can I encourage you not to live in your past, but to go on in the future? You know as much as I know what you have to do. You just have to... Say sorry to God and get back into those spiritual disciplines. There's those of you this morning and you do love the Lord, but you're worried because you have inconsistencies in your life like me. At times you do spiritually good things and you get on great and then there's times it's like you're taking two steps back and you get fed up with it sometimes and then you beat yourself up over it. Only you know where you really are this morning with the Lord. But you know something? This crown isn't unattainable. Because he didn't put it in the word just to tease us with us. He put it in his word and he, we're allowed to have this teaching around it. Because the Lord's desire is that we would lay crowns at his feet. But we need to make a decision to live differently more passionately, more open, more focused on Jesus than anything else in our lives. But it's over to you. It's over to me. So guys, lead us in this last song. Lord, just make us to be the men and the women you want us to be and help us, God, to rely on your grace and to work with your Holy Spirit your plan for our lives. Lord, help us to stop blaming circumstances for sometimes our own laziness. Help us to stay focused on the things that will change lives in this world and life to come when we focus on what is most important in our lives. Lord, we want to give you all the honor and the glory. Jesus Christ's name.